It's time to talk University of Richmond basketball. This is Behind the Web with head coach Chris Mooney, live from World of Beer, 11,600 West Broad Street in Short Pump. Tonight's show is brought to you by CarMax, Lux Chevrolet, World of Beer, and by Cabell Childress Group. Join in online anytime and be a part of the show with your questions and comments. Text 804-327-0888. Email behind the web at richmond.edu or on Twitter using at Spider Voice, at Richmond Athletics, or at ESPN Richmond. Now, here's the voice of the Spiders, Bob Black, with Coach Mooney. This is Behind the Web, presented by World of Beer on 1061 ESPN and the Spider Sports Network. 27-26 Panthers, game Clock is at 10 seconds. Green has the ball at midcourt, eyeballed by Wilson. Green with the left-hand dribble. Drives, spins, gets triple teamed and lost the ball. Burton comes up with it with three, with two, with one. He lays it up at the buzzer. And good by Tyler Burton. The steal and the score. And the Spiders will take the lead going into the locker room at halftime. I'll give us a minute. I'm going to go into the halftime lead, Bobby. The left side into the corner. AJ Green bounce pass back to Henry and a steal by Jacob Gilliard, who raises his hand in the air with the index finger number one because the 5'9 Gilliard is now the tallest in the land when it comes to steals. The NCAA's all time career steals leader, Jacob Gilliard, 386. We have witnessed history, and it's been great to see Jacob Gilliard do his thing. And the best news of it all, he's doing it in front of his mom and dad and his family who are here from Missouri to watch this game. And congratulations, Jacob. And they are holding up a sign. His family is three numbers, 386 for Jacob Gilliard. He has passed John Linehan of Providence, the all-time Division I steals leader. I really think when we look back at the end of this season, and I'm not rushing this season by any stretch of the imagination, those are two plays for entirely different reasons that we will look back on as extremely significant plays in whatever success the Richmond Spiders have this season. We're going to talk about both those plays and a whole lot more, including two Spider impressive feel-good road wins this past week on this evening's edition of Behind the Web. We thank you for joining us. Spider head coach Chris Mooney is with us. The Spiders are coming off wins at Waffle. Wednesday and at Northern Iowa yesterday and now have a little bit of time to breathe before finally getting back home Saturday night against Toledo at the Robbins Center at 6 o'clock. Great crowd in the house. Thank you all for joining us at the World of Beer this evening, 11,600 West Broad Street in Short Pump. Appreciate you being here. If you've got questions and comments, don't be shy. Come on up to the table during our commercial breaks, and we'll be glad to answer them and get them on the air for you as well. Spider assistant coach Maurice Joseph is going to join us tonight, get our first public introduction to Coach Mo uh, coming to the Spiders this year for his first season with Coach Mooney. Uh, we would normally have a player guest as well, but this is finals week at the University of Richmond. The guys had the day entirely off from basketball today, so that includes talking about basketball tonight. We will pick back up with them uh, next week when we're back here next Monday night at 6 o'clock, and obviously Jacob Gilliard will be at the top of our invitation list after becoming the all-time steals leader in NCAA history uh, yesterday. All right, three two seven zero eight eight eight. If you're listening tonight, text us or email us behind the web at richmond.edu, and we'll get those questions and comments to Coach Mooney as well. Chris, 
congrats on the two wins this week. I know there's been a lot of travel involved in uh, the spider schedule of late, but to get two true road wins this week, kind of how do you quantify what the guys did against Wofford and Northern Iowa, two entirely different styles of games? Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, you know, we, we talked a lot about the schedule in the pregame and postgame, and, um, you know, we have to build it as, as challenging as we can, and this was, a, this was a stretch here that we've been on the road for a while and away from the Robin Center um, and played two very good teams uh, this week. Both you know, teams picked really high in their, in their conference and uh, good players, good coaches and programs. So um, it was really good. I, I thought defensively was, uh, we, we really showed that we do have the potential to, to continue to improve and become a great defensive team. I, I thought... Um, you know, you know the Mississippi Mississippi State game. We went into overtime. It was 66 all, uh, and then Wofford had 64 and uh, held a, a Northern Iowa team that I think will be a high scoring team in the 50s. So, uh, real really good um, signs right there. Uh, I because th- I do believe we'll, we will be a, a very good to great defensive team, and um, uh, hopefully we can we're continuing to to build and build and build and get better. And I think we showed a little bit of that in these two road wins. Particularly yesterday, I thought, and going up against a prolific scorer, and you and your staff have always put great game plans in place, and your players have executed it when teams have one really top-notch scorer, which A.J. Green certainly was for Northern Iowa at six foot four. thought Isaiah Wilson at six foot, maybe? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Did a tremendous job on him. I know others yeah. helped out in team defense, but how was he able to be so 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 effective um, against Green, who, if I remember correctly, yesterday was was what one, two for twelve from the yeah. floor. Two for twelve was credited with two threes, but only one was a three. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, no big deal. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I thought um, I thought Isaiah was terrific. You know, he's he's. Uh, I've said many times he has a potential to be an elite defender. I thought. Yesterday was really great for him in terms of how he did it, but also the confidence that could build for him to see himself that way or to further see himself that way as someone who can uh, who can be a lockdown type defender, a guy that we need in particular situations or matchups. But he was really good. I mean, he, you know, he's a guy who's uh, he's very committed. He's he really enjoys defense. Um, he's strong and fast and athletic. Um, you know he's hard to screen, uh, and he's just willing to to stay with it. Even even if the guy scores or his man scores or he makes a mistake, he's willing to the next time really be be zeroed in to stay with it and and defend. And I thought uh, he did a great job, certainly individually in that in that matchup. Well, what else went into to stopping Green? Because I know it's a team thing. And the highlight we played at the beginning, uh, it literally was three guys blanketing him at the end of the first half and as I said I think that's one of the more significant plays for the Spiders to this point to grind out that first half and at the end of it look up at the scoreboard and hey we actually do have a one-point lead because of the bucket Tyler had before the buzzer for sure you know we we had a we, we talked about double teaming him uh you know something that we rarely do and many teams rarely do but we talked about uh, double teaming him if there was a situation that showed up uh, and so we, we ended up triple teaming him, but we, we did that at the end of the half knowing that he would be the guy who had the ball and was trying to dribble out. You know, we, we, we tend to really try to take advantage of the two-for-one at the end of the first half, and we got an offensive rebound, which made us shoot with less than 30, so we couldn't get the two-for-one. So we, we tried, and it worked out. Obviously, it worked out really well. We're, we're mainly trying to get the ball out of his hands and came up with a steal, and Tyler had great presence because uh, as he was dribbling down the floor, he looked at the shot clock, or, or the, I'm sorry, the game clock, which was probably at three or four seconds, 
and realized that he, instead of just launching a shot from inside a half court, he drove all the way to the basket and was able to get a layup, uh, which was a really big play. I mean, a really big-time head up, heads-up, um, really, really smart play by, by Tyler. And, and, of course, the execution was terrific because of his speed and his ability, but that was a great play. I'm laughing and smiling a little bit, and we'll talk more about the great game Tyler Burton had as we move along. But I'm glad to hear you describe it the way you did because we had Tyler on the post-game show yesterday, and we gave him all sorts of props for not only coming up with the steal, but we could see him from all the way up where we were sitting, which was a long, as you found out, a long, long way up. And I said, Tyler, I could see you glancing at the clock as you were driving down court. What a heady play. And he looked it back, and he looked at me, and he goes, well... I heard Gilliard screaming, take it all the way, take it all the way, so I took it all the way. Well, <laughs> Ruined the whole thing. Of course, yeah, honest to a fault. Because he sure. said I was going to shoot a three. Yeah. I was going to take a three, and I heard Gilliard yelling, take it all the way, take it all the way. And, you know, we, we, uh, we talk about those things in the, in the beginning of the year, that you always have more time than you think. You always, always have more time than you think, and, uh, you know, you're naturally in a rush because of, you know, you want to make sure you get the shot off um, – but, yeah, Jacob, of course, uh, always alert uh, and always talking. So that, that is really positive. Uh, but Tyler, I do think Tyler did. Maybe when he heard that, he did still look up look and up, glance right? okay. at it. So we're okay there. Yeah, I think yeah, so. I think so. So speaking of being all the way up there, for those of you who weren't listening yesterday, we were placed for our broadcast way up on their upper concourse. I think it was COVID-related, had something to do with that. Anyway, it was a long way away. So I didn't see that A.J. Green must have had a foot on the line on yes. one of those threes. The other thing I didn't notice that one of our fans pointed out, and I should have, and I'm going to use the excuse that we were a mile away, was Nick Sherrod not wearing his brace yesterday oh uh, i don't know see not uh, a, okay all right we, that's a good question i, 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 don't I know didn't know that, that either yeah. i was like well i guess if i'd been courtside i might have yeah. might have known that but yeah anyway uh and he he was probably the underrated player yes. in the game yesterday with what he did i thought he? nick played great uh, yeah. he had eight rebounds um uh you know he he had open shots and was aggressive and you know a couple of them were in and out and uh uh, that's the way it goes sometimes, but had a big drive for us, had the rebounds. His defense was great. He made a really great play in transition. We were mismatched, and Isaiah wasn't on green, uh, and Nate ha- happened to be on him. And, and Nick, uh, you know, 15 feet away from the ball, told Isaiah to guard the center. And this all happened in a split second. Told him to guard the center, and the center went up and set a screen on green, and then a- and Isaiah switched really aggressively there. That's really an incredibly <laughs> smart play. Um, you know, that, that he made to, to make sure that the matchup would eventually get to, to the way we wanted it. But really great play. I thought Nick played a great game, and uh, we know that he'll make a lot of those shots come, come uh, the future games. Uh, not unheralded would have been the play of Tyler Burton, obviously, and, and what he did. And as we were talking on the postgame, Chris, every way imaginable he helped win that game yesterday, whether it was dunks, whether it was three-pointers, whether it was blocked shots, whether it was a steal, um, really an elevated uh, performance. And, yeah, he was terrific. Uh, you know, not only, you know, he shot well throughout the game. We, we, kind of, we as a team, shot poorly in the first half and better in the second half. He shot well throughout you know, he made some shots that were key times, too, as the crowd was getting in the game. Maybe that lead had gotten to five or six, and he made back-to-back shots. Uh, he scored in the post. Um, you know, they had a backdoor layup. He's the one who comes up with a really an incredible block from behind, incredibly athletic, alert play. Um, you know, the steal in the basket at halftime, 
you know, just he was terrific, uh, really, really terrific. And, um, you know, obviously we can all see how, how much he's improving and, uh, and how good he is and how high his ceiling is. Uh, that block you're going to hear coming back from the break here in just a moment. And my, uh, my partner, Greg, back with us, has seen a lot of basketball, so he doesn't get overly excited about too much. Where do you hear the call? He got, <laughs> he got a little excited on that, which I, which I absolutely uh, love. Now, on Tyler Burton, before we go to the break, because you said this on the postgame yesterday, what is it that he is still not doing well? Because you seem to mention to us that you felt that every time out you were getting on him about something <laughs> yesterday. Well, well, he's doing everything well. Uh, you know, it's just more that, uh, and it was so similar with Justin. Yes. Um, and I've said a lot, you know, I would complain for the first five minutes of ha- <clears throat> halftime about Justin, and Jamal Brunt would say, well, he has 13 and five <clears throat> at half. So very, very similar with Tyler. You know, he's just, he's just able to do so many things so well um, <clears throat> that it becomes just his mindset and, uh, you know he works extremely hard. He's very prepared. Um, he does er- he does everything well, and so then therefore you just want it and just want him to be as aggressive as he possibly can. And the other thing uh, that he did uh, yesterday that he that we talked about, you know, we had the travel problems. We didn't get in Saturday night early enough to go over and and get a shoot around in. And he went with an optional group of guys at seven o'clock in the morning yeah. to go over and get shots in. Pretty that, impressive. Yeah, that's the way he is. You know, we, we basically, the, the guys who were red-shirting uh, wasn't an option. Uh, so the, a lot of the young guys are over there getting a workout in. Um, and then we had gave the option to the guys if they wanted to go over and shoot. And, you know, Tyler's a little bit like Nick in that way. He's very methodical. And, you know, he, he likes to, you know, feel the, uh, you know, the arena or the, the ball in a certain way a certain amount, number of times. Uh, and that's a really good quality because – you know, when you're as talented as he is, that the, you know, what you wouldn't want to do is take start taking things for granted. And he really doesn't do that. He he works at his at his game, at his craft, at the feel for the ball, and, and those kinds of things. And uh, obviously, it pays off. All right, uh, we'll take our first time out. Uh, we'll come back after the break. You'll hear that great block uh, from Tyler Burton. You're also going to hear from our guest tonight, Spider Assistant Coach Maurice Joseph. He's in the house. He'll join us up here at the head table in just a moment. Comments and questions, email them to us behind the web at richmond.edu or text them to us, 804-327-0888. Behind the web, live from World of Beer, 11,600 West Broad Street in Short Pump and live on 1061 ESPN. World of Beer. The timeout's over. Now, more behind the web from World of Beer in Short Pump on 1061 ESPN and the Spider Sports Network. Oh, here's a backdoor cut. Oh. Tyler Burton with a block shot of a slam dunk. How did Burton go flying through the air and cleanly block that one? That was an unbelievable block. He got behind the guy. The guy cut before Burhound was trying to dunk that one. With two hands. He went up strong, and Tyler Burton was stronger. And the Spiders came up with the ball. Oh, I just keep wanting to play that back and forth and hear Beckwith scream, because, oh! like I said, he doesn't he doesn't do that very often. So you know it must have been a, a heck of a play, and it, and it certainly was uh, by Tyler Bird. Welcome back behind the web here at uh, World of Beer and Short Pump. Spider assistant coach Maurice Joseph in his first year with the Spiders has joined us. Uh, we welcome him to World of Beer. Yeah. Welcome, Mo, publicly. Thanks Thank you. I appreciate you having me. So I mentioned uh, earlier you had the scout for uh, for Northern Iowa, the scouting report. So, And I, I eavesdropped and watched in the back of the room yesterday, the walkthrough, and then you going through the video and all that. 
and I must have been getting a cup of coffee or I dozed off, but at what point did you say, Tyler, you just go up and block the heck out of the shot and we'll be fine. That was a heck of a scout by you, Coach Joseph. Well, I don't want to take too much credit. A kid named Isaiah Wilson did a pretty good job and a very good player for them. So, uh, you know, that, that was a big key to the game. But Tyler was unbelievable, as we probably all saw. And uh, that, that play certainly, certainly stood out. That was a great momentum play for us. Yeah, I mean, from your viewpoint, how good do you think the team defensive effort was yesterday? Because obviously it was a key to winning that game. No, it was great. I know we, as a staff, we try to put our players in the best position to be successful, and they got to come out and make the plays, obviously. But uh, I thought our effort, our, our attention to detail, our intensity uh, in following the game plan was, was as good as I've seen it since you know, the season started. So hopefully we can build on that from a defensive standpoint. Uh, Mo, as I said, uh, obviously we're kind of publicly introducing you to a lot of our crowd for the first time tonight since since you joined uh, Coach Mooney's staff. So this is kind of the essay question I normally ask the student-athletes, and it's a two-word question that I expect a long answer to. Why Richmond? Well, I've told Coach this, and I've said this publicly before. I've, I've, I've admired uh, Coach Mooney and his program from afar uh, for a long time. When I was an assistant, uh, my first A-10 scout was against the Richmond Spiders, so I'm a young assistant trying to put in the offense in two days, in two-day prep, and needless to say, it went terribly wrong. And uh, Richmond was very successful against us. But since then, I grew, I, you know, I really admired uh, how he runs the program, the type of student-athletes he recruits. We recruited against each other for a long time, uh, similar student-athletes. Um, so all those things combined, the geographical region, you know, my, my, my wife is very familiar with the Richmond area. Um, don't hold this against her, but she's, she went to VCU. Uh, the worst part of our marriage, but we'll, that's another conversation for another day. But um, uh, So she's very familiar with the area, made, made, made decision, the decision a lot easier. Uh, and again, Coach Mooney's program and the respect I have for him and how he's kind of ran this thing is, is, was, was the big reason why I came here. So, Chris, let me uh, flip the table here. Why Maurice Joseph? Uh, well, I'm sure he's disappointed now that he's been here and sees so we've done it. <laughs> uh, well, you know, Maurice and I uh, – you know, had gotten along. GW is probably the team we played twice the most um, since we've been at Richmond, um, and so I, I got to know him a little bit uh, when he when he was um, an assistant. I think it was operations even before that. Yep. Um, so I got to know him and uh, had remembered him as a player uh, transfer from Michigan State to Vermont. They had great teams at Vermont, uh, and so we had just stayed in touch. And then at the head coach, when he became the head coach, at the head coach's meeting, we would talk a little bit and hang out, and then we're recruiting the same guys at certain times. So, and I just always thought he handled himself so so well. He's such a, um, you know, he's got a great way about him. He's very enthusiastic and, uh, you know, totally 100% player centered. Uh, but has high demands for the players too. Not just not just uh, excited or or, or high fiving. I mean, he's he's very uh, holds guys you know to uh, to a high standard. Uh, and I've just always thought the world of him. So we were we were extremely lucky when we had an opening that that he was that he was available and interested in Richmond. Um, and again, not blowing smoke at all, Mo. But I can tell you from our perspective, everybody said those kind of words about you when you were the head coach at GW, and we would we would talk about the other. Hey, this is a great guy. He's a great coach, uh, upstanding guy. And now we're finding out firsthand, and we're really glad that we are, and and that you're here. But but I can tell you around the league, uh, that was certainly the the thought. 
Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, a- absolutely. So go a little further now on this perspective that you bring to Richmond that maybe we haven't had in a while at Richmond, and that is you were viewing us as the opponent, not just maybe from that first scout, but just the big picture of what you saw from Richmond basketball from your time at GW and, and obviously the year at, at George Mason as well. Yeah, I mean, for, for a long time, you, you, you talk about to other coaches around the league and the common consensus is that nobody really wants to co- come in and guard Richmond. You know, you, you feel like you're always chasing. You feel like you're, uh, you're, you're always kind of a step behind guard, trying to guard the offense, and that's kind of the consensus. And people are always talking. We see each other on the road, like, how'd you do this? How'd you guard the back cuts? So all that stuff has always been pretty consistent. And then uh, so being within the program now and seeing – how, uh, how how the game is taught, how the offense is taught, and the drills that go into how we play. Uh, I, I realize now how terribly wrong I was as an assistant trying to figure this stuff out. Uh, so I, I, I feel like I lost a few years of my, my career there. But uh, um, you know, it's 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 been really eye-opening being here, and I'm I'm, I'm seeing the game and learning the, learning things that I otherwise probably wouldn't have learned in my career. So in a lot of ways, I've been a uh, very, very, uh, very lucky to land here, uh, not just from a professional standpoint, but for me, for myself, growing my, my coaching acumen has been, has been very uh, beneficial for me. Chris, has it been a thing where, where you have picked his brain on, hey, what did you see when you were our opponent and that we could use now, now that you're on the good guy's side? For sure, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Maurice and I have talked a lot. We're both uh, similar in that way, very curious um, have a lot of questions just about not only his basketball, but his his experience as a coach and professionally, uh, the things that he's he thinks or thought uh, that other coaches do, and you know specifically to us, um, for sure it's 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 definitely interesting, um, and everybody has uh, perspectives. His his are really unique because it was so long and and concentrated in our in our same conference. Uh, but more, I'm, I'm interested in, you know. Um, more of everything you know how how he dealt with um in recruiting or when the guys were there when they were freshmen or when guys were upset or the administration those kinds of things are really interesting to me and the experiences that he's had um and how he's dealt with them uh are are really interesting and and same thing it's it's always great to learn because for someone so young he's already been a head coach uh and has that you know very unique experience uh being in a in a in a situation where he would he was the head coach uh, as a young as a young guy having taken over as the assistant which which is you know creates a whole different dynamic for someone uh, and how he handled that and how he what he was thinking in a strategy while he was going through it. Well, Mo, uh, speak to that perhaps to the narrative of what it's like being an assistant again after being a head coach and what that transition has been like for you. Oh, well, you know, one of, one of my mentors, a guy I played for, Tom Izzo, he, he told me once when I became a head coach, he goes, Mo, you'll see this pretty quickly. Assistants have 100% of the answers but take 0% of the responsibility. <laughs> and uh, when you switch out, when you jump over those six inches, you, you, you find that out pretty quickly. But, uh, you know, uh, now being assistant again after being a head coach, I have a greater sense of uh, what the job entails, not just the X's and O's and practice and all that kind of stuff, the day-to-day, the radio shows, the – the, uh, the meetings with donors, the, the meeting with faculty, all those different things, all the different hats that you have to wear as a head coach. Uh, assistant coaches don't typically see that on a day-to-day and uh, don't really factor that into what the head coach is going through at practice, at games, and how all those things wear on them. So uh, I, I approach the assistant job now with a greater sense of empathy because of all the hats that head coaches have to wear and having worn those myself, um, I, I feel a, a, a greater sense of 
understanding of what the job really, really entails. We like to have our assistant coaches on our, right. on our talk shows. So <laughs> that's right. This that's won't right. be the only time that we invite you. So that's, that's going to change for you as an assistant. And, and Kevin Hovde will get here before too long right. as well, who we will reintroduce to our, our Spider family, of course, who played for Chris here at Richmond as well. Uh, Coach Mooney mentioned you know, the great career you had playing at Michigan State and then at Vermont. Uh, did you have an idea back then that you would want to go into coaching, or was there something that sparked you into the coaching world? Yeah, uh, you know, I think I think like a lot of players, I wanted to, to play in the NBA and had had those hoop dreams, and you know, and 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 uh, I attacked those dreams, and I and I trained and worked and all that kind of stuff. But then I uh, got to Michigan State and I played with a guy named Shannon Brown, um, who was a first round draft pick. He was a McDonald's All American. He was the second ranked player behind uh, uh, LeBron James coming out of high school. And uh, when I when I found out that. The NBA thought he was going to be a late first rounder, maybe a second rounder, and I have to guard that guy in practice every day. I thought maybe coaching is probably a better route for me, and um, so I, I learned pretty early that coaching was probably the route that I take. And I was always fascinated with uh, with the X's and O's piece and all the the, the you know the the the, uh, the different parts of running a program. I got I got to kind of see how Coach Izzo did it. Um, I had some great assistant coaches who became head coaches as well, so they were on their path. So I got to see how they were kind of navigating their own careers, and I really became fascinated with just everything that running a program entails. And, um, you know, when I transferred, I had to sit out for a year, also had shoulder surgery, so I wasn't able to play, but I also wasn't able to practice or work out. I was just rehabbing, so I got this for the first time in my life, see, my, see the game from almost like a spectator standpoint uh, and kind of realize what teams are trying to accomplish, what schemes they're trying to do to beat us, and I really just became uh, – you know, fascinated with with all those all those dynamics, and uh, um, you know, obviously the NBA dream did not work out uh, for me. So uh, I'm glad the coaching deal is uh, working out pretty well. I should know this. Who did you play for at Vermont? Mike Lonigan. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, which then brought you to exactly. to George Washington as well. Are the things you've taken from him or Tom Izzo that you're kind of using today? Yeah. I mean, I, I played for two really defensive-minded coaches, mm. um, and I think that's kind of the the cloth that I'm cut from now in my own coaching career, as coach will probably probably tell you, I'm probably the one talking about defense the most in, in, in our meetings, and I'm always trying to find ways to get better defensively. But I think that's just how I'm wired because of the guys that I played for. So um, I love offense. I was, you know, the the 16 year old me would laugh at me saying this right now because all I did was shoot and I couldn't guard my shadow. But um, um, you know, I, I think I see the game from a defensive standpoint now, and and. Uh, and I think I, I got that from those guys. Absolutely. All right, let's take a break. We're halfway through right at uh, the bottom of the hour at 6.30. Maurice Joseph, Spider Assistant Coach, is with us with Coach Moody. Again, questions or texts behind the web at richmond.edu or 804-327-0888. Back to World of Beer in Short Bump with Behind the Web on 1061 ESPN. Hi, my name is... Let's get back to the show. Behind the Web presented by World of Beer and Short Pump. Once again, here's Bob Black on the Spider Sports Network and 1061 ESPN. Golden right of the lane. Turns, faces the basket. Now backs in on Mack. He spins underneath the basket. Reverse layup is good by Grant Golden. He's got 21. It's his 31st career 20-point game. Couldn't have come at a better time. No question. Get him the basketball, Bob. He can finish, especially one-on-one. We're seeing him going one-on-one against their bigs. He's been able to capitalize anytime he wants in the paint. That 
one, of course, was from the Wofford game when the Spiders uh, started the week with the win down in Spartanburg, South Carolina. A much different game, 73-64 victory over Wofford, and Grant Golden led the way in that one, finished with 21 points, 10 of 15 from the floor, and had the two big buckets down the stretch as the Spiders got that win and then on to win at Northern Iowa. Maurice Joseph, Spider assistant coach, uh, with us tonight along with Coach Mooney at Behind the Web at uh, World of Beer. Uh, Mo, that game against Wofford, entirely uh, different game, much more f- offensive flow to that game, but but how good you feel about the guys figuring out a way to win that kind of game as opposed to the game we won yesterday. Well, uh, you know, I, I think both games – really benefited us from a defensive standpoint with a similar game plan, similar styles uh, for, for, for both teams. Uh, honestly, similar actions and sets, so the, 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 the synergy there was, was helpful to us. But it was great to, for us yesterday, uh, not shooting the ball particularly well, to be able to still defend at an incredibly high level and still come out uh, victorious on the road in a good environment against a very, very good basketball team who's, who's historically been very, uh, very tough to beat in that gym. So... Uh, Games are very similar. Uh, plans are cut, were pretty similar. Um, personnel kind of similar as well. So it's great to see us play two different types of games offensively, but still guard at a high level and come out with wins. Yeah, I mean, looked very different on the court, at least offensively. Chris, Wednesday night uh, really couldn't miss. Shot 62% from the floor. I, I guess the elephant in the room here is 18-point lead gets down to two and uh is there a sense of oh we've been here before this has happened before did you have to guard against that with your guys as they were making that comeback and i know you say all the time teams are going to make runs it's easier said than done when you're you know in a raucous environment which it was and and how your guys were able to to stave them off down the stretch yeah i i thought um you know certainly we 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 had some uncharacteristic turnovers in that in that particular game um you know there have been a couple of games this year we've finished you know, near, nearly perfectly. I think Hofstra only scored one point the last five minutes of the game. Um, you know, but in the in the game against Wofford, you know, we we did we built a nice lead, uh, and then it felt like they they didn't get a free shot, and it didn't it felt like they didn't get a really free shot until late in the game, and then they made a three in a row at the same time we had uh, some uncharacteristic turnovers, and you know. Uh, I'm not dismissing it by saying teams are going to have runs, but, you know, it does happen in, in, in college basketball. And, you know, all throughout the game there are runs, and, you know, uh, a six-point lead today is two baskets, you know. And so uh, sometimes a lead feels bigger than it is. Um, but, you know, they, I give a credit to them. They, they did a good job. They, they didn't pressure us. They, they just kind of continued to play the same defense. And um, I thought yesterday we had two baskets where we threw the ball uh, not really backdoor passes, but long passes over the top to guys for layups late in the game, and I thought that's that's a good sign because um, you want to play in basketball. You don't want to look too far ahead, as you know, as the coaches maybe were saying, "Hey, it's three minutes to go. We're up ten. Uh, let's call this play." Uh, maybe because that play might you know be a little bit more, have a few more passes in it or something like that. But as a player, you just want to play and. So, you know, you want to execute that play or that decision or that uh, cut or, you know, or, or pass, whatever it might be. You just want to play and you just want to have that possession in your mind, uh, not to be worried about uh, whether who's on who's on a run or how much time and things like that. So, um, you know, you, you certainly don't want to rush when you're when you have a lead uh, but you don't want to be too complacent either. And I think that's something that's always a balance. Um, and, you know, again, I was 
please. I, I thought we had some great plays down the stretch against Wofford. Uh, Grant had two huge buckets and took the offensive foul in the post, uh, which kind of uh, those those uh, three plays kind of sealed the game. Um, but we, we you can't get complacent. You can't start worrying about it as a player. You just need to go play and try to execute that possession as best you can. Uncharacteristic turnovers. Did you really say to Jacob Gilliard, are you trying to throw this game? Uh, That's say- what he said to us that you said to him at some point. Uh, Mo, I'm- did he say that? Did you hear it? That's- <laughs> or is Jacob making that one up? I think I said it. I think I. If I said it during the game, uh, I don't remember saying it during the game. But he's got he's got big ears. He, can, he hears everything. He hears everything. Big ears, but quick feet That's and, right. and quick hands. So even if you did say, maybe that does speak a little bit to the relationship that you have sure. built over five years with Jacob Gilliard. So now would be a perfect time for you to kind of you know sing his praises off of the record that that. I know it's very important to him. Uh, he tried to downplay it, but obviously, when it happened, you could see how important it was to him and to the entire team. Yeah, I, you know, I I think there are probably ten or twelve stats that they keep track of that are cumulative stats, and you know, to have more than anybody in the history of basketball is just, uh, you know, it, it can't, I can't even understand. If you know, if you were the all-time leader in a at a school in something, uh, that's that's something you would remember forever and and uh be extremely proud of um to think of all the guys that have played college basketball um all the great players all the you know defensive wizards that have that have played college basketball to have them more steals than anyone uh it's just it's just good night to be able to break that thing out i'm just saying it would be a great opportunity for that by the way lewis riddigar yes you know it's so often that he steals the ball so cleanly um that that's probably there are two things that that uh, that i still have to figure out is how cleanly he steals the ball and he just has possession of it it's not bouncing around or off somebody's leg or out of bounds he just has the ball so cleanly and then the ones that he gets that i can't even anticipate watching the game uh where you know i you don't even know where it's coming from. Um, and I, I can't think of a more intense. greatest fear in this whole thing uh, because, you know, we wanted to have a good call and all that. Yeah. Jason Vitas put the pressure on me. We need a good, good clean call, Black. Come on. Was that he was going to get the steal in the ones that I never see. And that's the right. ones after we make a basket in play. And I'm, like, writing down who scored right. the basket. And the next thing I know, Jacob has the ball. And I was so worried that that's what 386 was going to be. Uh, fortunately, it wasn't. He hasn't had one of those in a while, so maybe we got one of those For sure. coming up here. For sure. Now he can do it. Yeah, exactly. Now, now exactly. he can do it. You've been nodding your head up and down through the whole answer that Coach Mooney just gave Maurice Joseph. What was your perspective of Jacob Gilliard, and what is it today, now having gotten to know him over the last, whatever it is, eight, nine months? Well, I mean, 
about 40 of those 386 are probably against my team, so <laughs> it, it feels great to be on this side of it. Um, but Coach used the word intimidating, and for a guy who's 5'8", you know, a buck 40 soaking wet, uh, for that kind of per player to be intimidating is, is the appropriate word. Uh, coaching on the sideline for the Richmond Spiders and seeing how teams kind of adjust and react to him is, 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 is remarkable and how much of a presence he is on the court. Uh, teams are, are, are fearful of, of, of his ability to steal the basketball. And the coach said it's, uh, there's, there's not very many stats that people track and to be the all-time leader in any of them, any of them is, is, is truly, truly remarkable. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm genuinely impressed with his, his ability to anticipate, his IQ, his feel, uh, how quick his hands are. Uh, he's a truly, truly special player, and uh, uh, I'm just glad I was a part of it uh, you know, while, while he uh, got the record. The other one you were nodding your head about was when Coach mentioned not only Grant Golden's two layups, but defensively, the, the charge that he took in that Wofford game. Yeah, just, just a big play. If you, if, you, know, if you remember, they were, they were kind of wheeling and dealing in the post a little bit. They were two really, really good post players, uh, that, that could score with the back to the basket, you know, really crafty, could use both hands. Uh, they, were, they, were, they were scoring us a couple times in a row, and uh, that play came at such a crucial point, um, you know, in the, uh, when they were making their run, uh, and it really kind of put them at bay a little bit. So uh, Grant was an incredibly heady play, uh, the right call, right play, uh, and uh, that's just, you know, his, his experience showing up in, in a really close game on the road against a really good team. Hey, finishing up with Maurice Joseph, Spider assistant coach. Uh, first time we publicly had him with us. Uh, certainly won't be the last. And I mentioned, you know, you're from Michigan State and Vermont. But before that, you're from Montreal. You're, you're a Canadian. Uh, give us a little bit of your basketball background and also what kind of relationship you've established with the other Canadians on our team now, and Nathan Ko and Matt Grace. Well, I, I, I'll say this for the first time publicly. My... my, my uh, my goal is to have an all-Canadian starting five for the Richmond Spartans. But that's, a, that's another story for another day. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But, uh, you know, born and raised in Montreal, Quebec, like you said, played at Champlain St. Lambert, always dreamt of becoming a Division One basketball player and all that, and went to Michigan State in Vermont. But, uh, you know, always, always have the Canadian, uh, you know, we never get enough credit in the basketball world, chip on my shoulder. And uh, I took that with me as a player, and I have that today as a coach. And anytime I... I've coached with Canadians on the team. I've kind of gravitated towards them and try to, you know, you know, we, we, get, we get a lot of digs, uh, you know, maple syrup, Celine Dion, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so, many, so many digs from all, all the, you know, locals, Americans on the teams that I've been on in years. So we, we got to stick together. So myself, Nate, and uh, Matty G, we, uh, we, have a, we have a pretty good bond here. We uh, try to stick together. Gonna uh, send him back up north of the border because we've had pretty good success up there. We really have, yeah, for sure. You know, basketball in Canada. I mean, Maurice would have been on the early side uh, of this, but there have been a lot of really, really good players. A lot of first-round picks. I mean, uh, number one picks, uh, and the NBA draft. A lot of really good players, and so we're, we're we feel like we're really dialed in now. Well, we're glad you're down south now, Boris. Uh, we'll keep you here for a while. Thank you so much for being here tonight with us. Uh, great work so far. It's been great getting to know you and look forward to a great rest of this season and the future beyond. Maurice Joseph, Spider assistant coach with us on Behind the Web. we got one more segment to go. Uh, we'll take a break, come back with some texts and some email questions for Coach Moody. Coming up when Behind the Web continues and concludes after this break on 106.1 ESPN. World of Beer is keeping you up to date with Richmond basketball. This is Behind the Web from World of Beer, 11,600 West Broad Street on 1061 ESPN. From Playfly, this is the Spider Sports Network.
right, final 10 minutes or so of Behind the Web for a Monday night. Great crowd in the house. We appreciate everyone who is here. Appreciate everyone except Mike O'Toole for being here. No, I'm, I'm kidding, kidding about that. Uh, and Maurice Joseph for being our, uh, our special guest tonight. We'll get back to our players, as we said, next week because they are in uh, exams this week with papers and studying finals. All that kind of thing. So they've got the night off, uh, but they'll be back with us next week, which actually uh, leads to a question that uh, one of our fans in the audience had, Chris, and that is how the schedule does change for your guys uh, this week on, on two fronts, only one game, really only one game over the next 14 days uh, for the Spiders, and that you're getting that in there with all the exams and papers that they've got to finish up with. Yeah, so, um, well, in terms of the finals, we've we, the school has always allowed us to play if we play at home. Uh, so finals go from Monday of this week till until Tuesday of next week. Uh, so um, you know it's you, basically we're in a reading day or a study day, but it's still during finals. Uh, and we've always asked, and, and we've been able to play if we're at home. So that's that's positive. Um, yeah, it has been. It's been a hectic uh, start to the season, and we talked about it before we started. That it seems such a, like such a long wait, and then once it's here, uh, the games get on top of. Get on top of you very quickly, and then throw in a lot of the games we're traveling to, and we've had some travel issues. Uh, has made it feel like uh, even more overwhelming. So, uh, yeah, that'll be good this week. We'll we'll be able to grab some guys and get workouts in while they have um, some breaks in the next couple of days, and then have two days of practice before we before we play Toledo on Saturday. All right. Well, uh, early peak at Toledo, a team that um, obviously we played and beat in the NIT. Did this kind of scheduling, was that born out of the NIT game last year? It was, yeah. Uh, we, we had talked a little bit before the game about starting a series, and then uh, about a week after the season, uh, the coach texted me and said, um, you know, how, what do you think about playing, starting a home and home? And I said yes. And, you know, scheduling usually takes about three months longer than that. We had the dates, and they were willing to start uh, in Richmond. You know, I don't know if we could have added another away game. So I think we needed to have a home game, and uh, we were we were pleased to get it done. Uh, a team that was terrific last year um, and, and, you know, very, very similar this year, great team, picked very high in their conference, maybe to win it in some publications. So another really uh, – another really – challenge uh, another really challenging team to play and a, and a really really good talented roster you know you alluded to this uh greg and i were talking about us on the post game after the game yesterday um there have been travel issues i don't think we're the only team in the country that's been going through them just like everything else in the pandemic there are issues shortages of of everything including airplanes i, I think but the way the guys handled that um, I just thought was remarkable. At least when we've been around them, there was never any complaining or moaning, no bad body language. They just kind of, kind of went with the flow and never used it as an excuse or a crutch or anything, and just kind of, kind of went along with whatever was happening. And some of it was, you know, pretty rough and pretty long delays. Yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that, Bob. I, I agree. I, I think that, um, you know, these things are inevitable. Uh, they seem less inevitable when you invest in chartering like we do. Uh, but but things happen, uh, and you have to be able to roll with the punches. You know, we got well. We pulled into Iowa both nights really really late for uh, for day games. The next game, and you know, hope uh, hopefully the players are looking at it just like it's just a basketball game to play. The coaches are probably fretting a little bit more and more nervous about the schedule and breakfast and all the things. When are we going to get into the gym? Should we go to the gym? All those things. Uh, but I, I do think the guys have handled it really well uh, because it's been some 
you know, some things that travel can be irritating and the delays, you know, when you don't, you don't know it, necessarily know what's going on uh, that we've all experienced. But uh, I think they've handled themselves really well. And, and uh, you know, hopefully at some point that pays off on the, on the basketball court too. Uh, does it feel good then? And I said this on the air yesterday. You just can't roll the ball onto Dick Tarrant Court at the Robins Center and know you're going to win the game. Yeah. But you've got four of the next five at home. For sure. Uh, you know, the, the Robins Center has been electric. You know, since we've done the renovations, I don't know how many years ago now, it's been an incredible home court advantage. And this year it's been great. And we've had – and they've been weekday games. You know, they've been on, on Monday and Tuesday. So uh, the crowd has been great. Um, the the support and the energy in the building has been terrific. Makes it so much fun to play, especially after last year. Uh, so, yeah, I think just to be home, to avoid those travel, to have, you know, you're in charge of your own schedule – in your rhythm and your routine will certainly help, and then the crowd and the energy will, will help that much more. 6 o'clock Saturday night at the Robin Center against Toledo. All right, final uh, segment or so. I think I'm going to make this a, the new tradition. Uh, the Ivan text question, instead of being the first yeah. when he used to call, now he's the last because I can put him last yeah. here. Um, these are actually these are not your typical Ivan questions tonight. Like, what did you say to the team, and what can right. you tell us about Toledo, these are actually a little bit deeper. Um, has the NIL rule affected the way you are recruiting? Wow. Uh, n- not yet. Um, well, I guess to a certain degree, yes. But I-, I would say not yet in that, you know, the the rule. So basically the rule is that uh, players can cap, student athletes can capitalize on their name, image, and likeness. Um, so, you know, the, the ability for them to capitalize is kind of on their own, you know, whether their own talent or exposure or the level they're playing at. Um, so, but it's there, it's not clearly defined as the coach's involvement uh, just yet. And so, you know, that makes it somewhat, you know, in, in other words, if, if we went out and said, hey, if you come to Richmond, your NIL package will be worth it. that. That's not legal for, for as of yet, I'm sure nobody would do that. Uh, but, but that that's not that, that that hasn't been addressed by the rules yet as as to what the coaches are going to be allowed to do. Um, so, I would say that it, it will how it will help, how it will get the recruit recruiting. I think will be more of when we have a few years and say, well, this is what our players have been able to do, whether it's camps or online or some uh, something local uh, where they've been endorsed. I think if we're able to say that in a more general way, but as of right now, we haven't, we haven't, and I don't know how much we could say, Hey, this, this will be the things you'll be able to capitalize on. Uh, and so I think until that becomes a little bit more ironed out or concrete, we haven't necessarily used that. Are you, uh, are, are you even getting questions from moms and dads of prospective players about that kind of thing and, and how it's working? We are for, for not, not as many as you would think, more curious in how, how could it possibly work. You know, the University of Richmond is uh, Richard Coughlin, who is our faculty athletic rep uh, in the business school, is, is leading something where our business school and athletic department and law school can work together to help navigate for the student athletes how they might be able to capitalize uh, on, on their name, image, and likeness, which is great because you know, what I always worry about is, uh, you know, if somebody – well, one is, is the players maintaining their integrity and understanding what they might be endorsing or what they're signing up for, but then also how this affects their uh, – if, if it's their tax status is updated, or, you know, or new, and then they, they making sure they pay their taxes and 
those kinds of things. So, uh, so Richard Coughlin and Business School, Law School, Athletic Department is is kind of uh, getting together and trying to prepare them uh, for for every phase of this, which I think is really important and very responsible on the part of the university to make sure that guys, you know, do this, you know, try to capitalize as much as they possibly can, but also do it in a responsible way uh, that that will enhance their 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 image or their or, or whatever it is they're trying to accomplish. All right. I haven't had one more, but I'm going to hold it off uh, for next week because it's a, a broad-based topic, I think, uh, just so you can think about it all week long. Yes. I, I know you will, Chris. You want to know if you were surprised that Mark Turgeon stepped down at yeah. Maryland, and I would expand that to what's happening in college athletics yeah. right now with coaches, not just basketball but football. So I'd say think about that this we'll week, and, and we can take a segment on that uh, next week because I think it's a, a long answer and probably multiple questions as well. Uh, all right, rest up a little bit. I guess all the guys are getting pretty much healthy yeah. through the flu. That was something else everybody yeah. went through, right? Yeah. Much that, better now. Much, much better, better now. now. Yeah. Get a little rest this week and get ready to go on Saturday night against Toledo, 6 o'clock at the Robinson. Center. Thank right. you, Coach. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. That's Spider Head Coach Chris Mooney, Maurice Joseph, Spider Assistant Coach, our special guest, Jason Vita. Thank you for getting him here. Mitchell Bradley, thank you for producing. And Robert Oley in our ESPN Richmond studios. See you Saturday night at the Robin Center for Spider Basketball. You've been listening to Behind the Web from World of Beer, 11,600 West Broad Street, featuring head men's basketball coach Chris Mooney. Tonight's show has been brought to you by CarMax, Lux Chevrolet, World of Beer, and by Cabell Childress Group. Join us throughout the college basketball season for Behind the Web, presented by World of Beer in Short Pump. Thanks for listening, and stay in touch with Richmond Athletics on the flagship station of the Spider Sports Network, ESPN Richmond. Executive producer, Mitchell Bradley. This has been a presentation of Playfly Sports in association with Richmond Sports Properties. Your home.